0: Come on, y'all give God a good hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. Are you excited to be in the house of God today? Amen. Open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 4. The Gospel of John, chapter number four. And we have some TWBC Connect team members that are going to be handing out some uh, of these cards to you that we're going to use uh, partly way through the message. And so, as they're handing those out here in the the next few minutes, take a stack of these and just hold on to them. And I'll give you instructions on those shortly as we get into the message of John, chapter number four. And hey, as we're celebrating this morning, all that God is doing, man, we love doing kingdom stuff at TWBC. And uh, this church has had the awesome opportunity to help coach and train other churches and their staff members, and so we've had some awesome opportunities. I want to highlight four churches. There's a church in Terrell this morning that is doing an awesome, awesome uh, service, and they're having a chair celebration, and they're doubling the size of the chairs in their auditorium because they're experiencing so much growth as we've been pouring into them as a church. So can we give God a hand clap of praise on that? Man, that's awesome. So so they're believing for their Easter crowd next week. They're believing for over 300 people to show up. When we started working with them, they were were running uh, about 50 to 60 people. They're averaging about 180 every Sunday now, and they're believing for over 300 uh, next week. And so we're excited about that. Also, we're working with a church in Farmersville called Pathway Church. Uh, We helped them go to two services last year. And, man, they're looking to do some awesome things this Easter. We're celebrating with a church in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, that they're completing their first round of their next steps, they call it growth track, and so we help pour into them and and go up there and and walk them through what that looks like, and so man, God is doing some awesome stuff, and we're also uh, celebrating with the church in Pittsburgh, Texas, that they set out a goal last year that they wanted to see 48 people born again before this year is done, and they've already seen 48 people born again in Pittsburgh, Texas in the first quarter of the year, amen, I mean, God's doing some good stuff. And so so just know that our church, TWBC, is way more uh, uh, doing way more than what you see here on a Sunday. And I just like glorifying what God is doing in kingdom-minded churches all over this region. Amy, can we give God a good hand clap of praise on all that he is doing? And as you're turning in your Bible to John chapter number 4, we are in a series called Flip-Flop. And this series is about um, when Jesus walks out to the flop of a situation and flips it and turns it right side up and makes it something awesome and amazing. And we know one of the the major trends in America right now is flipping houses, and that's where we get the theme for, for this series. It's where someone has the ability to look at a place that looks trashed out and needs to be torn down, and they get fresh vision for it and revitalize it and make it something brand new, something awesome, something amazing, and something desirable. Jesus does the same thing throughout all the Scriptures. He takes what looks like the flop of a situation. He flips it, right? right side up and makes it desirable, amazing, and wonderful, and we're going to see that this morning. The impact of this whole series and what we want to get through in this whole series is that we uh, see people in those situations, and we have the eyes of faith to look at them like Jesus did and flip it. Amen? Everybody say flip it. Flip it. I'm going to need you to help me preach some this morning. Amen? Amen? And so we want to begin to see our community with the way with the uh, way Jesus would see it have the heart of compassion that Jesus would see it with and have the ability the anointing to walk into any circumstance and see the situation that the world would say needs to be torn down but Jesus gives fresh vision and hope and we flip that situation right side up and there is something that happens when you flip it when you begin to flip situations around in your life and in your community and in your family and in your school and in your workplace The Bible talks about something. You go from having a theology or knowledge of something to walking in an authority over things as you've gone through the experience. So when your life is going through things, it's good to have a theology about it, but you don't know how good your theology is until you go through the experience of it and gain authority over it. Jesus is going to encounter a situation like that here in John chapter number 4. And this is one of my favorite passages in all the, all the scriptures that Jesus flips it because it, it gives this scenario that you are never too far gone. Right. Amen? You, you're never too far gone. You haven't done something so bad that Jesus says, man, my blood of Jesus covers everything but that. You're not too far gone. You haven't messed up so much that Jesus can't reach in to your destitute situation, touch it with his almighty power, flip it right side up, and even use the worst of the worst to bring about the best in a whole city. Amen? Amen. And so some of you who have given up on your life, who have given up on what God has called you to do because of your past, I'm telling you, Jesus isn't looking at your past. He's seeing you from his standpoint and looking at your future. Amen? And so because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, because he is the Alpha and the Omega all at the same time, he is the beginning and the end all at the same time, what you see is a utter failure of a life. Jesus still has vision for your life and wants you to start seeing things from his perspective, not from your past perspective. See, sometimes we spend too much time in our past that we never get past our past to get to where God sees us in the future us of tomorrow of who he's called us to be And I want to encourage you if you are always looking at your past, you're never going to get past your past There's There's a reason God closed the Red Sea behind the Israelites when they got out of Egypt He wanted to separate them from their past Some of you if you don't allow God to separate you from your past, you'll never step into what he's called you And if in your life you have not been separated from your past The Bible says when you got born again, the old things have passed away behold something brand new has come If you don't grab onto what's new, you'll gravitate back to what you know, and that's the past Come on that's speaking to somebody this morning So God is saying, I want you to grab onto to him and what he's bringing you into, not to what you've always known in the past, so you gravitate back to what you've always known. And so in this account, this is the account where Jesus is going to a town called Samaria, and he had to stop, and there's a woman at a well, and this is where the whole flip happens. The title of this morning's message is called The Samaria House. The Samaria House. And so we're going to begin to read in John chapter number 4 and verse number 3. And it says this, He left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Everybody say, He had to. Everybody say, He had to. Listen, he didn't desire to. He didn't say, I just want to. He didn't say, I think this would be a good idea for today. The Bible said he had to. Some of you don't understand why you had to go through something. But if you didn't go through that something that you had to go through, you wouldn't end up with authority over it because you wouldn't have gone through the experience of it. Right. See, some of you are missing out in life because of you, you, you're shying away from the had to's. And if you don't go through the had to's, you'll never get of authority of experience walking into something. So many of us, we want to take the easy way out, the convenient way out, the route that's most desirable to us. But if we only take the route that's most desirable to us and don't don't go through the had-to places, if we don't go through the had-to places, we won't encounter the anointing that can come upon us through the adversity that we're going through to get us to the place where we're called to be. And so Jesus tells his disciples, hey, we're in a place of Judea down here. We're headed to a place of Galilee up here and there's a city in the middle called Samaria uh, Samaria, and we have to pass through it. It's in the had to's that the anointing comes. And if you don't work out your faith intentionally, your faith will get worked out for you. Come on somebody. See, See, a lot of believers don't intentionally work out their faith. You don't intentionally take steps of faith because it's uncomfortable to take steps of faith And if you take a step of faith, it's causing adversity against your comfort zone of your flesh And if we don't intentionally take steps of faith and intentionally work out our faith Our faith will get worked out for us because we'll go from crisis to crisis And we'll have a crisis faith lifestyle and crisis faith only gets you rescued results And so many believers live from rescue to rescue to rescue to rescue that we never intentionally work out our faith. Therefore, our faith gets worked out for us in ways we don't like. So I'm telling you to flip it. Everybody say flip it. it. Intentionally work out your faith this week. I want you to take these cards. We'll address them here in a moment. Work out your faith. Write your name and phone number on the back and invite somebody to church. Begin to make yourself uncomfortable so when uncomfortable hits, you'll know what uncomfortable is like. Really so See, a lot of you are uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations because you've never felt uncomfortable before. Right. But if you'll intentionally work out your faith and step forward by your faith, you'll understand what adversity is. So when adversity hits, you'll be like, what, this is just a walk of faith. Oh, come on, somebody, that's better than y'all are. That's good. Why do I say do this? Because if you only live with rescued faith, or, or, or if you only live in crisis faith, you're only going to get rescued results, which means you're only abiding in this area of theology and knowledge that has no effect. But when you begin to intentionally work out your faith you had to go through some place You put yourself into a place where you begin to walk in an authority over a situation that you come in contact with And so I want to encourage you this is why I do st- Stuff in my life that people would call say Joel that's crazy. Why would you even do that? Because I'm challenging I'm working out my faith The Bible says it like this work out your salvation it doesn't say work for it. Yeah. Jesus already did that, but it says you got to work it out. <laughs> I had somebody tell me this morning, Joel, I'm just allergic to working out, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, hey, let's get unallergic to our spiritual workouts. Amen, Hallelujah. Yeah. Physically, do whatever you want to. Just remember this dwells in you, so take care of it. We're, that's your own business, but I'm telling you, with faith, as you're coming to TWBC, this becomes part of my business. I want you to work out your faith. I want you to put yourself in situations where you want to go lay hands on somebody and pray for them. Y'all, I ain't even through the intro yet. Here we go. But we got to get this in the church. When you walk into the office tomorrow, pick out the three people you're going to intentionally pray for out loud with them in your workplace before you go home. Put it on your to-do list. Work out your faith. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. God, we're going for it today, I'm telling you. It may just be me and you in the end, and we'll figure out how to fill this place up four four times next week for Easter, but we're going for it today. Work it out, man, I'm telling you. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He was going to bring his disciples to a new place of authority by showing them a had-to route rather than a desired route. And I'll get to the routes here in just a second. So, So verse number four, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, it's okay to take a break from time to time. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about about the sixth hour; it was about noon that day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "Give me a drink." For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, "How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans." Jesus said to her, or Jesus answered her, "If you knew the gift of God, and who You give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and their livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Everybody give God a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. So as we're in this dialogue here of the Samaria house, Jesus runs up on this situation in Samaria. Now let's talk about Samaria for a minute. We just already addressed that that Jerusalem and Judea are down here. So you got Jerusalem. It's in the basically city of Judea. you got Galilee up here. Jesus is going on a 30-mile journey back to Galilee because he hung out there a bunch. But right between uh, Judea and Galilee, right in between them, is Samaria. Now with that, the the Jews were so... uh, They hated the Samaritans so much, when they would get up to about Samaria, they would go a day's journey around the city and add a whole day to their travel so they didn't have to go through the city. They would take literally an extra day's journey to go around Samaria because they hated the people so much, rather than go through Samaria because there was such warring between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so when Jesus said, I had to go through Samaria, I'm sure all 12 of his disciples are looking at him like, are you crazy? We're not going through there. We don't belong there, we don't like them, they don't like us, sounds a lot like America today, we're gonna take the long way around. Come on, somebody. We don't want to confront the issues. We'll take an extra day's journey to get to where we got to go as long as we ain't got to deal with the problems. Jesus said, I'm going to go camp out right in the middle of the problem. Work out your faith. He's trying to get you to an authority to have authority over something. It's not in the pleasant times do you gain authority over something. It's in the controversy. It's in the challenge. It's in the struggle. It's in the fight. It's in the challenge of it. And so with this, this is what the Samaritans were, a mixed race of people who had intermarried with the Assyrians. Assyrians were mighty warriors, by the way, and that, that they would intermarried with them centuries before. They were hated by the Jews because of three things, the cultural intermixing, because they had their own version of the Bible or the law, and they worshipped on a different mountain, than the Jews did. And we'll address that here in just a little bit. We'll read about it. So he walks up on this this situation that the hate was so bad between these two cultures that as the Jews were traveling, they would double their journey around. And now we're at the site of the flop. Jesus walks into Samaria. He sits down at a well. A Samaritan woman came to him. And two different worlds, a world of Jesus and salvation and a world of hatred and bitterness collide all at the same time. So Jesus is walking into this collision and two worlds combine, the world of a flop situation and the world of a vision of possibilities. Some of you are in two different worlds and they're combining here this morning. The world of the vision of possibilities that I'm telling you about and the world of your flop situation. And you got to choose today what you're going to let the living water begin to do. You can let the living water do what only Jesus can do and bring you a vision of possibilities through a new door that he wants to open. Or you can walk back out of here with your flop situation and never experience what Jesus has for you. Two worlds are colliding right now in this auditorium. And when those two worlds begin to collide, it's our choice of how we're going to take the next step forward and what God's going to do. And so the flop of the situation is the situation of the Samaritans and the vision of possibilities. In his encounter with the woman at the well, Jesus broke three Jewish customs and and he began to destroy the cultural traditions of that day. When you're flipping a house, we would call this demo day. Sometimes you got to rip some walls down to get to the source of the real problem, right? (laughs) Jesus is fixing to rip some cultural walls down to get to the real problem that the woman is dealing with. And the real problem that the woman was dealing with was not the issue of her sin. It was the issue within her. It's the issue that was within her that was compounded upon by a bunch of other people. And so here Jesus, the first thing he did that was culturally wrong, he spoke to a woman in their culture in that time and even in culture today in the Middle East women are supposed to walk about three to four paces behind the man some of y'all are like I don't even like this y'all need to quit and so listen she was supposed to walk three or four paces behind him so Jesus was speaking to her shouldn't have done that She was a Samaritan, a group that the Jews traditionally hated, so he was breaking their custom of intermingling with a race of people that was intermingled, and they weren't supposed to do that. They were supposed to be a pure, holy, and blameless race. And the third thing he did is he asked her to get him a drink of water with her cup, which would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean by using her cup, and the woman at the well was shocked when he said, Give me a drink. But see, here's where authority takes place. When you are Jesus or when you are you in the house today, when you're walking in an authority of your righteousness, you can deal with the sinful issue because your righteousness will overtake the power of sin. Sin won't overtake the power of your righteousness because the blood of Jesus is stronger than any unrighteousness that there ever was. So when you are born again and blood-bought and a child of the living God, you don't need to fear going out and dealing with people who are caught in sin elements. Your righteousness and the authority you have in it begins to flow the living water that way rather than the non-living water flow up this way. But the people of Jesus' time thought, if I am going to be holy, I can't touch anything that's not holy. Jesus came to flip it. Everybody say flip it. He expects you to flip the same thing. He expects you to walk in your righteousness so much that you can touch something unholy and make it righteous, not the unholy thing make you unrighteous. Come on, man. God's trying to bring you to a new level of authority today. He's trying to get you to understand that you're asking God for power and he's trying to give you authority. We're all saying, God, we need more power. God's not going to give you more power until you have the right authority to use it. It would be like me giving my keys to my 10 year old son and giving him the power to drive my truck when he doesn't have the license or the authority to do it. Many of you are crying out for power, and God's trying to bring you to a had to place to give you some authority because when He gives you the authority, the power's already accessible to you. Come on, man, that's good. He's trying to bring you to a place of authority. So when he gets you to a place of authority, the power is accessible to you so you can change the world you live in. But authority comes with a cost. Authority comes with a price. Authority comes with a had to and a going through many times. So Jesus is wanting to bring you to a place of authority so you can use his power to change the world. A lot of people want to bypass the authority step and just get the power, but I'm telling you, you're not going to get the power until you get the license or the authority. The reason all officers carry a badge, it's because that's their authority and it gives them the power to pull the weapon. Come on. If he doesn't have a badge to show the authority, you may not want to trust how he's going to use the power. Some of you people don't trust... How you use the power of God in your life? Because they haven't seen you walk through authority. <laughs> Hallelujah! We we'll get... Maybe I don't need to jump, so we we'll good. Get... See, see, we're we're asking for power, but God says I need you to a place of authority so people will trust you with the power. That's right. You know, if if this building was on fire. Who would you want to rescue you, me or some of the amazing first responders that we have in here? I'm hoping you'll choose first responders. (laughs) I'm just going to give you the answer. Why? Because they got an authority that I don't have. And they know how to use, because they've been given an authority, they have a power that I don't possess. It's the same thing with your spiritual walk. God is trying to bring you through a place of authority so he can let the power of God rest on you and in you to change your circumstances. But we got to be ready to walk in the authority so we can use the power properly. So in this issue, Jesus is going to begin, as he's demoing and tearing down the cultural issues, making a way for this woman to get touched by the power, but bring her also to a place of authority in her city, he realizes that there's something that's the issue with her, and he finds the problem with her house. She's got a bad water source in her house. She's got and being shunned feeding into her rather than the living water that can cleanse her. If the water source is bad, the whole life is going to be bad. If the water source gets changed to living water, it can transform everything about the house. If the water source is bad, if the leak in the house is bad, A bad water problem over time can create bad structure problems. Many of you have been feeding your life bad sources of water, and you wonder why you have spiritual structure problems. I don't know whether I believe this is right or wrong. I don't know what's going on in the the world of politics today, and one side's fighting for this, and one side's fighting for that, and I don't even know what to believe. If you let that be your source of water, you're going to have structure problems spiritually. If you are trying to line up your spiritual walk with what a with what a politically minded government does, you're never going to do it. they are two different entities. So your source of living water must come first. And if you don't fix the water source, you're going to end up having structure problems. Many of you are conflicted in the area of your mind and the Bible says in James You're unstable in all that you do if you're double-minded You have two thoughts going at the same time in opposite directions is what that means and you're confused And it says that means you're unstable in everything you do It's because you're trying to get you're trying to make a decision based on two different sources of water And you got to choose which source of water you're going to live by She was living by the source of water, a sin, shamed and shunned. And Jesus said, I'm coming to bring you living water. And if you'll take a drink of this living water, it's not just going to cleanse you, but it's going to cause a river to burst forth from you. That's going to change everything about you. You just got to take that step of faith and say, I need the living water. And there should be some conflict within you. There should be a conflict within you every time you turn on the television set of should I allow this water source in my life? How far are you going to let the water tolerate or contaminate what Jesus is trying to purify? It's a constant battle. Where do we draw the line with what our kids watch? Where do we draw the line with what our kids get to play on video games? Where do we draw the line with what we watch as husband and wife on TV? Where do we draw the line on some of these issues? Because culture is constantly pushing against our faith and is trying to bring in a water source that will destroy your structural foundation when Jesus is trying to bring the living water in to shore up your foundation. And listen, some of you are saying, well, how, do I, how will I even know what's going on in the world? You tap into the one who created the world. Because if you're only getting your information through media, I'm going down a road here, I don't know if I should. But if you're only getting your information from media, you're only getting what people want you to hear anyway. When you're getting your information from heaven, when you're talking to God about the current situations going on in the world and it doesn't matter what side of the political lines you're on this isn't a political speech they're both wrong (laughs) okay they both got agendas we have an agenda it's called heaven's agenda so we must get our water from heavenly places from heaven and believe me if he is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end he knows what's going to happen in our government tomorrow And it would do us good to talk to him about it and get ahead of the curve rather than reacting to the decisions that are made from the curve. Okay, I'm gonna get off politics because some of y'all are upset with me already. It's all right, I only got four minutes left. And I got three quarters of the message to go. We've gotta start getting our water source different. The woman at the well had a bad water source. The woman at the well is a woman whose sins are apparent, but she hasn't sinned alone. See, a lot of us look at this story, and we just look at this horrible, awful woman and say, oh my gosh, how could she? she has been married five times and now chilling with a dude that's not even her husband, right? And he could possibly be married. Now listen, the woman was at fault, but she wasn't at fault alone you got to get this. If you don't get this, you're going to miss the context of the whole message. She was at fault. Yes, her immorality was being addressed by Jesus, but where her immorality stopped with her at one person, there were six other men who were involved in her immorality. So there's six other men in on this thing that are in on the sin part that didn't show up at the well for Jesus and she was walking in her sin but she was also walking in her shame because she had been put away or divorced five times and that in their culture, only men could divorce women. Women could not divorce men. So her shame was being compiled on because five men had put her away and now she's living in a shunned state with a man who's not even her husband. So she's living in sin, shame, and she's still being shunned by the society around her and her water source is contaminating her ability of her structural spiritual life to accomplish anything but she may have sinned but she wasn't in the process alone she was put away as five times as I mentioned this woman has been passed around by some of the male population of the city Jesus' words not only call attention to her sins but they call attention to the sin of everybody in the city Because even if they weren't one of the six, everybody knew about the woman who was with the six. And everybody was talking about the woman with the six. And the woman was going to draw water in the Middle East at a well at noon when it's the hottest time of the day. Because nobody would accept her anymore. So he's not just calling attention to the sin of the woman, the sin of the city, or the sin of the men, and the sin of the whole city. But here's the thing. When Jesus called attention to sin, it brought freedom, not shame. There's the difference of authority and theology. When people—and I've seen this happen multitude of times in the world we live in—people try to call call um, call sin out and sin what it is, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you haven't walked in the authority of forgiveness, it's going to add more shame and not bring freedom. If sin is ever addressed, it's supposed to bring freedom, not shame. And because most people are quick to want to say what somebody else's issue are and not go through our own cleansing process first, we address sin with theology rather than authority. Therefore, sin is compounded by shame and shunned rather than a freedom that only Jesus can bring. Her structure was bad. Jesus wanted to fix her structure. He begins to fix her structure in verse 15. And he said, that the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water to drink so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying you have no husband. I have no husband. You have five husbands and the one you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. There's a key there. You're worshipping what you don't. You're you're worshipping out of theology, not authority. You're worshipping what you don't even know. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. It's experience. It's from the lineage of David. But your hour is coming, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in truth. Now Jesus is going to begin to fix the leak. The problem, so the structure can get fixed all throughout the Bible. Water is referenced for cleansing and fire for purification. Jesus met her at the well where there was water, he declared to her, I am the living water, I am the living cleansing, is what he was saying. See, a lot of times in our world that we live in today, and I'm guilty of it as anybody. If a house is all torn down and dilapidated and it looks horrible, I'm all about bringing a match to it and burning it down rather than cleaning it up. And it's no different with with, with people spiritually. When people are beaten and run down and the world shunned them and and they're full of shame and they're walking in sin, we're all about bring them to the fire and let's purify them with fire. And Jesus said, no, they need cleansing of the water, not the purifying of the fire. Come on, man it'll change the way you look. If we're going to change our city, we got to see it the way Jesus sees it. we got to feel it the way Jesus feels it. we got to have the compassion that Jesus had. And if this woman came to him and he said she needs the cleansing living water of me rather than the purification of fire that I possess. He possessed it. He could have called it. And he said, you need water, not fire. He's beginning to fix the leak. Who in your life have you brought fire to that you should have brought water to? Who in your workplace have we looked at with judgmental eyes and complained about the way they act or their irritating personality or whoever they are? And we should have brought water to them, but instead we're bringing fire to it in the form of gossip, which then becomes unauthorized, unholy fire. Come on, somebody. I'm going to stay off gossip just for a minute. I'm just going to stay away from it. Some of y'all just need to quit it and what you think is casual conversation about somebody is gossiping. And you may just be venting, but you're gossiping, so quit. You're bringing fire to something that's unauthorized from God when we should be bringing water to something. Whenever you're going to complain about someone, whenever you're going to complain about someone to somebody else who's not that person, you are now obligated to bring water to that person, not fire. If I'm going to complain about Mark, but I'm going to do it to Jason, there should be a check in my spirit that says, if I'm about to say something about, about Mark to Jason, I need to bring Mark some water, not Jason fire. Do, do we get this? This isn't popular in church today. We, we don't like this in church today, because we would rather gossip about him and say we're going to pray for him. And what we're just talking about, our prayer requests, no, you're not if I'm going to talk about Mark to Jason, rather than bringing fire to Jason, I need to bring water of cleansing to Mark and that means I need to go to him and say, Mark how can I be there in your life for you right now I'm not addressing his sin issue, I'm not addressing the issue of his irritant with me I'm not addressing how if he gets on my nerve or not what I'm saying is Jesus had a multitude of things he could have addressed and he said, I'm going to tell you what you need and that's living water, not all the problems you have because She already knew about them he needs me to tell him all his problems. Mark knows all his problems. He needs me to tell him the solution. And that's the cleansing water of Jesus Christ. Water throughout the scriptures, and I, I download the notes to this. They're on the app. They're on the website. I don't have time to go into it. But water is always used for cleansing. The Bible says this in Exodus 30. When you go into the tent of meeting, this is when the priest would go before God, they shall come near the altar to minister and offer burnt offerings to the Lord. They shall wash with water so they won't die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so they do not die. He says, do this so you do not die twice in the same verse. Listen, when the flood came on the earth with Noah and the ark, that was a cleansing, the Bible says. The waters of separation in Leviticus of the ashes of the red heifer, heifer is for a cleansing. The Bible says in Ephesians, and there's like 10 more listed. You've got to go read them. I don't have time to read them. Ephesians 5.26 says this, To make her, the bride of Christ, holy, cleansing her by washing her with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless before God. So my job as a minister of the new covenant, your job as a minister of the new covenant, if you're born again, you are a minister of the new covenant. My job as a minister of the new covenant is to bring water to the people of God to make them holy, spotless, and blameless, to present them, all of us, before God one day as the church. If the church would focus on cleaning each other rather than burning each other, we'd be a lot better off. There is time in the house of God and it's now that we need to start bringing the cleansing water that sets people free from sin to people rather than the fire that many have brought. First service didn't get all that. Here's where the flip happens. The water for the Jews was a symbol of God. living water so when Jesus said I am the living water he said I am the living cleansing God I am the living cleansing God and the woman said in verse 25 verse 25 the woman said to him I know that the Messiah is coming he who is called Christ when he comes he will tell us all things Jesus said to her I who speak to you am he See, she didn't even know who the living water was until he blatantly told her, I am the living water. I who speak to you am he, he said. And just then, the disciples came back and they marveled that Jesus was talking to a woman. Go back to the first of my message, the cultural burials he tore down on demo day. They marveled that he was talking to a woman, but the disciples are kind of growing in wisdom because nobody said anything. (laughs) They, They didn't question him on it, right? They marveled as he was talking with a woman, but no one said anything. Like, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar there and went into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out into the town. They went out of the town and the town were coming to him. This is why I wanted to bring attention to these cards. You got five of them. She didn't send a messenger into the city to say, go tell him I think I found the Messiah. She went and gave a personal invite to the first husband, to the second husband, to the third husband, to the fourth husband, and to the fifth husband. That even though I've been sinned, shunned, and shamed by you. I want you to come meet the living water that just told me everything I ever did, that's brought me freedom, not condemnation. I don't know who's hurt you in your life, but one of these cards is for them. I don't know who's been ugly to you, who's been mean to you, who's rejected you, who's called you names, who who, who you may call them names, who you've been rejecting, who you've been ugly to. I don't know who it is, but a personal invite from you to the living water of Jesus Christ will transform their lives in a way that you'll never imagine. And here's why I say she didn't send a messenger. Because there's no amount of technology in the world today that can come into comparison with you walking up to a person and saying, here, I need you to come with me to experience the living water. There's no amount of text messages. There's no amount of great videos we can produce as a church. There's no amount of paid advertising that we can do on an electronic billboard or on a regular billboard. There's no amount of Facebook posts we can do. There's no amount of tweets we can send out that will ever compare to you walking up to somebody and saying this, saying, I wanna give you a personal invite to come. And my question is, I know people have said things about you I know people have shunned you I know people have shamed you but what you're getting this morning is freedom from the sin the shunned and the shamed to go tell other people out there I've got a place for you to belong and it'll pull you out of sin it'll pull you out of being shunned it'll pull you out of the shame of life that you're in would you please come and I'll come to whatever service you want to come to That means some of you may be at all four services. They all may choose a different one. And I'm okay with that. Because it's that good of a message. It's called The Impossible Flip next week. With this, she gave a personal invite to the people who shamed her, who shunned her, and piled their sin upon her. And this woman, who we look at as the worst of all worst in the Bible is responsible for leading a citywide revival because it said the whole town came out and Jesus stayed there an extra day and he ministered to them you know why he had to go through because that extra day delay that would have took him around was the day he needed for ministry and he got to his destination at the same time everybody else did who left Judea with him but because he had to he gained an authority over as well as got to the next place on time right along with everybody else come on God is never late come on I'm telling you, if you'll go out of your way for somebody, God will go out of his way for you. He'll just do it. He's done it for me time and time again. And I'm going to close with this. Everybody stand. The woman is symbolic of many of us here in the room today. We have a knowledge of religion, but it's been a long time since we've had living water. In just a minute, there's people all around this auditorium who want to pray with you and bring you living water. Many of us in this room have been passed out and we've been put away from one sin to another, not realizing that we are the ones who are thirsty. The woman who was sinned on, shamed on, and shunned on realized she was the one who was thirsty. And when her need got quenched, it quenched everybody else's in the city. Come on, man. So it starts with you. I'm not worried about who you're going to witness to tomorrow with these five cards. I'm concerned, are you getting your thirst quenched today? Because all of us need Jesus this morning. Your pastor needs Jesus this morning. And the funny thing is, the closer I get to God, the closer I get in my relationship with Jesus, the closer I walk with the Holy Spirit, the more I realize I need Jesus every day. The more It's not the other way around. A lot of people think the closer I get to God, the less I'll need Jesus. No, the closer I get to God, the more I realize how much I need him in my life. I need him. Every hour I need him. I love that old hymn song. I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, today. I need him. Church, I need him. I can't do it without him. I don't want to do it without him we've been so deceived and this is all of us in the room we've been so deceived about what forgiveness and cleansing is that we would rather go around in our shamefulness when she was trying to avoid everyone because of her sin and shame she met the only one i'm telling you forgiveness is a beautiful thing and true forgiveness will set you free and this is what i pray i pray this before i get up here on sunday mornings Father, I receive ultimate forgiveness again. Jesus, I receive it because your blood paid for it. I want to walk upon that platform and I want to be forgiven, cleansed, washed in the blood of the Lamb so the words that come forth are pure and holy. Jesus, I receive forgiveness and freedom that comes with it. We need forgiveness. And many of us have been deceived about what forgiveness is. It's not bringing more shame, it's removing the shame. Because it's covering it in his blood. She left what she came for, the physical water, because she got more than she ever bargained for, the living water. I want you to get more than you'll ever bargain for today. And that's the living water. So I got two questions as we close. First one is this. How do you see yourself today, right now? If it's anything less than cleansed with the water of the living water of Jesus Christ, you need to go pray with somebody and just receive it together. Receive the cleansing power of God. If you see it any less than that, well, I got this issue, go get living water. Well, I'm struggling with this, go get living water. Well, I I think this may be wrong. If you even think it's close to being wrong, go get living water. It's not going to hurt anything. It's kind of like washing your hands and then putting antibacterial on it. It's not going to hurt anything to get some extra cleansing. And then how will you see others around you tomorrow? If you've never met Jesus Christ, you are the one who the world has piled sin, shame, and shunned you. And today I want to introduce you to the living water, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, one of these members around the auditorium wants to pray with you. How do you see yourself? Go get cleansed. How do you see others? Ask God to cleanse your sight and your heart so you see others differently. If the the Lord's leading you to take communion, come on down and take it, but we're fixing to go. Father, in Jesus' name, living water come, living water flow among us, which is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Get ready to move. Take your step of faith. Begin to work it out right now in Jesus' name. In three, two, one. Begin to move.